Many of you know about the microbiome of your own gut, but have you considered that it might be mirroring the health of the Earth's microbiome? And both are affecting our ability to evolve consciously. I'm Julie Ciela, your host of We Are the Soil, where we have conversations around where gut health meets spirituality. Hi, Nitsa. Hi. <laughs> welcome, welcome to We Are the Soil. I'm so thrilled to have you. We are launched right into our interview. So thank you for being here. I just want to introduce everybody to you. This is Nitsa Citrine, and Nitsa is a foodie, uh, a food activist, an artist, an alchemist, and uh, former creative director of Sun Potion, a brand that we love here at Firm Fatale and use all the time. Uh, we used uh, pine pollen last night in a mocktail. Um, so we're so thrilled to have you and talk to you more about your passion and what you do around regenerative agriculture. Here at We Are the Soil, we have conversations on where gut health meets spirituality. So I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah, I'm <laughs> delighted and honored to be a part of the conversation. Amazing, amazing. So um, as I mentioned, you were the creative director of Sun Potion for seven years. Um, and you refer to yourself as an, as an alchemist. Um, I want to talk a little bit about adaptogens for a moment before we move on. Can you tell the, the, the listeners uh, what is an adaptogenic herb and why they're so important? Yeah. So from my point of view and through, you know, working with herbs, tonic herbs, adaptogenic plants, uh, which actually truly began um, with my father, who's a doctor of oriental medicine and acupuncture. Mm. Um, and so I kind of was raised with the TCM, traditional Chinese medicinal perspective. Adaptogens for me are any sort of medicinal plants that can be taken uh, consistently. They're they're more gentle on the system than, let's say, a medicinal herb, and they essentially work to bring the body into more of a state of balance, whether it's digestive, nervous system, uh, immune immune system balance, and I personally love them because they can be taken in small doses throughout a long and healthy life, whereas a more medicinal herb like, let's say, echinacea or golden seal is actually a little bit toxic mm -hmm. or poisonous. Um, therefore, you only want to take it when you really need it. When your body's out of balance, it can address a certain symptom. And then once it corrects itself, you don't have to take it. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of like how I describe adaptogenic plants and adaptogenic herbs. Amazing. Uh, are there any specific um, herbs, adaptogens, superfoods uh, that you specifically love for gut health? Uh, I, I love this question, you know, being like a total superfood nerd and being <laughs> my own guinea pig for years, I recently, uh, was introduced to this whole very 
wildly simple healing protocol for gut health. It's it's uh, my dear friend, Unique Hammond and Karen Hurd kind of created this name for the bean protocol. Mm. And I actually kind of through my heavy use and self-experimentation with tonic herbs and adaptogens, realized the impact that they have on my liver, even having like, you know, the clearest, the best sources of adaptogens. And so I went on a whole, like no supplements, no adaptogens, no superfoods, and started to only incorporate kind of beans as essentially my supplement. And honestly, it's been so phenomenal for my health. So right now, I'm really excited and (laughs) beans and um, you can, you know, obviously, if you can soak sprout and cook them. Um, Yes, I know it's kind of controversial what you're mentioning, because I know for, for some some theories of thought would say that legumes can be inflammatory for someone with autoimmune disease. But yeah, right. Well, I think everyone has their own system, their own body, their own balance and imbalances. But what I've learned and through working with unique is that um, beans specifically for anyone like she had really severe Crohn's disease Mm -hmm. and was essentially not able to restabilize and re-equalize her health. She had tried everything and was kind of all correlated with hormones and then also with the liver. And so for me, when I was reading more and I had kind of a series of like health flare-ups, which made me go, hmm, I wonder if my liver is inflamed. And usually I would do like a liver detox protocol, but- The great thing about beans is that they're really, really, if you do cook and prepare them correctly, they're actually incredibly gentle while being detoxifying. Mm. And they go through and with this system, they kind of help flush toxins out of the liver. And, um, you know, for people who have really sensitive digestive systems, which for me, I, I've always had a strong digestion, but I was never like a big bean eater. Like I always felt like it would give me indigestion or maybe a little bit of bloatedness, you know, what have you. I was like not, yeah, beans weren't like my go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started the protocol the first three or four days, there was a little bit of like digestive adaptation, but mm-hmm. now I literally can eat beans all the time and I'm I'm fine. Like I've never had everything. <laughs> Let's well, just say I, things I, are I, running I, very I, smoothly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big believer in, um, you know, cooking foods the way that they were nature meant for them, designed for them to be best absorbed. Like, for instance, in my field of thought, um, I've had best results whenever I've sprouted my nut seeds mm-hmm, and um, soaked and soaked the beans prior to cooking them. But a lot of, in, in when it comes to dairy, um, you know, never pasteurized dairy, only raw dairy, if consumed at all, um, because that's what nature intended, right? And we, mm-hmm. in this industrial world that we, um, you know, have been subject to here, I think a lot of people, you know, think that homogenizing and pasteurizing and, you know, just the lack of education around certain foods. Um, you know, and I think that's probably a good segue into the subject that we both want to talk about, which is regenerative agriculture. But, you know, just the the lack of education, I think, is more of the issue when it Mm. comes to food and people not really realizing that 
you know, nature intended for these foods to be um, sprouted or soaked uh, in order for certain enzymes and amino acids to be released so the body can actually digest them. So I think that beans get a bad rap um, because of them not being prepared properly is, is, is sort of my, my theory of thought, but, um, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And one of my, also one of my favorite adaptogens, Makuna purians is a bean. So, yes. I have it so there, in my kitchen. yeah, there you go. And it's amazing for speaking of like, you know, the gut brain connection, mm. it, you know, helps establish healthy dopamine yes. uh, levels in the brain, which, you know, we associate with happiness and joy and bliss. And, um, I really do feel like if you have a happy mind and have a happy tummy and vice versa. So I'm that's so glad a bean. That you brought, <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that bean up because I don't think it tastes very good. Um, and I tend to not use it because the taste is a little bitter. Yeah. Um, do you recommend uh, using uh, that? Uh, how do you pronounce it again? Uh, Makuna, Makuna Purians. Makuna so, Purians, yes. How do you recommend uh, putting it, let's say, in a mocktail or a smoothie? Or like, how do you use it? Great question. Yeah, it definitely has a little bit of, especially if you have an extract of it, it has like this little kind of salty, caramely, strange flavor, which you don't really know how to place. So the way that I like to combine it is, you know, either in like, a blended tonic with a warm seed milk and you only really need like half a teaspoon yeah. of the the powder if you're using the powder for 8 to 16 ounces of liquid so that definitely love it in anything that's like more heart opening maybe some cacao you can throw throw some pine pollen mm. you know maybe a little reishi lion's mane chaga mushroom in there mm -hmm. um as far as like mocktails, I'm I'm a little bit like because it does have that earthier flavor, I feel like it's better with like creamier flavor profiles versus like fruity flavor profiles right, just because right. um, that can get a little bit funky. So I feel like I anything that, yeah, that's a little bit like earthier, herbal. Maybe co coconut milk kefir. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that that's sounds yeah. And heavenly. you know, I'm so glad I I'm so glad I asked you that because I've had it here in my cupboard, and I have so many of the other Sun Potion um, superfoods, and that one particularly hasn't been getting used. So thank you for the inspiration. I I really appreciate that. Um, so yeah. segueing yeah. from Sun Potion, or did you have anything to do with the sourcing um, of Sun Potion whenever you worked with them? Yeah. Any of this? Yeah. So um, that was, I'm really curious to know what you discovered whenever you began diving into different um, countries, uh, uh, their agriculture and their, their processing during that sourcing process. Um, did you discover things about climate change and agriculture whenever you began sourcing or, or where did your passion for regenerative agriculture really come in here? Wow. Well, regenerative agriculture um, actually, again, I think came to me at a younger age. I feel really lucky because where I was born and partially raised um, at Esalen Institute in Big Sur, we had a really beautiful garden on property. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. And so uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of consciousness around food and community. And so I think that really 
kind of planted the seed for me at a young age. And then actually when I was in college, I took a gap year to go back to Esalen to get my permaculture degree Mm. or not degree certification. It was a two month course. And, uh, I've always, you know, my my grandmother is a master gardener. My father and grandfathers uh, were farmers, so I I kind of feel like it's in my blood. I However, understand. yeah, permaculture kind of really from a creative design level, which full circled for me working as a creative director and designer and photographer later on. Um, really just answered a lot of my questions and connected the dots as far as sustainable living, the connection mm-hmm. to food, community, and then larger picture, the future. Mm-hmm. Specifically working with tonic herbs and adaptogens that are sourced from all over the world. I mean, absolutely, you can see, you know, when you're working with these really resilient yet uh, rare and precious plants, they are impacted by global warming. They yes. are impacted by environmental uh, toxicity and threats. You know, we are all connected. So I've certainly seen that um, intensify over the years. And I think that's, you know, on one hand, it's really awesome to have more companies emerging that are offering adaptogens and, 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 even just seeing the the growth in yeah in the plant based food industry on the whole, uh, you know it's all mostly amazing. However, I do feel like as adaptogens as plant based diet becomes more and more popular in the mainstream, it's also an invitation for all of us to really really look into where these plants are coming from, yes. how they're being grown who's growing them and yeah, just really uh, refine our discernment there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's definitely um, something that I think is becoming more and more popular. Uh, my background, I grew up in rural Pennsylvania, you know, fermenting mm-hmm. and, and uh, gardening and uh, preserving food. And we, we, we killed everything we ate growing up. So, you know, I, I come from um, a pretty backwards um, you know, background and then awesome. uh, going off to mortuary college and studying death and, and then getting sick with autoimmune disease, I had to go back to my roots. I had gotten mm-hmm. away from my roots. Then I had to go back to it and start eating, um, you know, bacteria rich foods in order to regain my health. And then I, I actually saw the value in how I grew up whenever I got sick at 24 years old. Um, the same year that, I had an incident that helped inspire this probiotic mocktail brand um, being left out whenever my friends were drinking alcohol and I, I couldn't have anything. And, you know, back mm. in those days in the, uh, I guess, what year was that? Uh, 2001, it wasn't cool to have a LaCroix or, a, you know, a non-alcoholic. There were no alcoholic beverages. No, no one talked about a social beverage or a social tonic. It was like if you had water, you were either pregnant or an AA. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you were socializing, it was a very bro type culture back then. Um, so it's really refreshing now to see this big movement that's happening within the, the non-alcoholic drink space. But really, that's what inspired me going back to my roots and healing myself. And it sounds like, in a, in a sense, you didn't have to stray too far away 
to realize. Oh, I had I'm my nervous. naughty. I had my <laughs> naughty moments and <laughs> my rebellion for sure. But yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I I'm so appreciating the full circle now, and yeah, yeah just the foundation that that childhood set me up with. No doubt. Esalen is one of my most favorite places on the entire planet. So super cool. You had an opportunity to spend a lot of time there. Um, In regards to um, sourcing and getting back to um, what we were talking about, Mm -hmm. was there anything that you ever saw in the sourcing process where you were like, ah, we need to stop bringing this in because it's causing uh, you know, a detrimental impact to, let's say, you know, uh, the people in that region of the world? Or did you ever see anything um, in your line of work where you were like, ah, we need to give back instead of taking away from this because it's not, it's not creating the kind of impact that we really want? Or maybe you didn't see that in Sun Potion, but are, have you seen that in your line of um, passion, your, your vein of passion with uh, the regenerative model and agriculture. Hmm. Yeah. I'm searching my memories here. I think that I, I feel really, really blessed to have worked with incredible farmers and wild crafters mm-hmm. throughout my career. And so, um, never really feeling like sourcing was negatively impacting the environment. However, uh, I do, I will admit that the packaging process is, has been, and I feel will always be a challenge because mm-hmm. when you're working with FDA compliancy and, you know, everything else, and if you want to have, for instance, like a biodegradable polymer bag, which fortunately now some awesome companies have emerged that are offering them, you know, the shelf life is only going to be six months and you have a product that's a two year shelf life or or what have you. I think that for me, like my sleepless nights have really come around actually packaging more than sourcing ingredients just because I've been really fortunate and selective about, yeah, just working with um, farmers and wild crafters who are really at the top of the top as far as sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean the packaging, I mean the pack, you know, and it's like, even if it's, if it's, you know, sometimes you have to have a single use container and it kills me. And so, yeah, I guess that's where I'm always I, looking at and I thinking. totally understand. You know, we, we bottle in glass and uh, the glass is a custom glass bottle and it weighs. And now the big trend is our cans, aluminum cans. And, right. you know, we, we have a wildly fermented live raw organic product in glass, which weighs more at, for as one. But secondarily, like, you know, it, it's wild. <laughs> so it, it might explode whenever you open right. it, depending on, right. you know, the, the trillions amount of bacteria that's in the bottle and, and getting, educating people around that. I can't tell you how many people complain about the weight of mm. the shipping. And I try to explain to them, like, please understand this is glass and we purposefully bottle in glass for a reason. And right. we don't shrink wrap our, uh, the outside of that glass for a reason. And that yeah. reason is the, is the planet, the environment, you know, we're doing everything that we can do, but, you know, I think in this world that we live in where people just want the disposable culture and, you know, yeah. they're not thinking, they're not thinking about 
the decisions that are being made with certain conscious companies, um, it's always refreshing to me whenever I talk to a customer that gets it, you know, mm-hmm. and they're like, thank you so much for, for bottling in glass, because we know that you could be putting this in a can and it'd probably be a lot easier and way less for you and et cetera. So um, I totally vibe with what you're saying. And I think it's so important to support companies that are doing things as consciously as possible that impact all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, cause like you said, we're all connected. Um, but, uh, I wanted to ask you, do you believe that the, the, the planet, the planet's soil health, um, affects our individual guts? Do you believe that the, the collective soil health attributes to our individual gut? That's a great question. Uh, yeah, I would have to say I do think that it does. And I think that there is, you know, the the local effect of whatever for me right now, I'm, I'm fully immersed in this uh, garden food forest endeavor mm-hmm. at my home. And, you know, I've, I've, constantly working to build up the microorganisms in the soil, the health of the soil. And so when I'm out working in the soil that I've been tending to, I definitely have a different feeling than if I'm over in the areas that I haven't been paying as much attention. Mm. Um, That's just in the little micro environment of, of my home. And so if I take a step back and zoom out and think, yeah, collectively, which is such an interesting question, like the collective health of the soil, how is that impacting our individual health? Um, I think we're all to connected. A, yeah, to a certain degree, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, it's even if you look at something like nutrient density, right? Food that is, you know, let's say it's GMO, or even it's just conventionally grown in soil where they're doing heavy tillage, where they're stripping the soil of all the nutrients. There's like hardly any minerals left. These poor plants are like basically on steroids to grow. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what is the nutrient takeaway of a plant like that versus, you know, a plant that's has biodynamic amendments and, you know, all the juicy, yummy stuff that we love. Um, What, how does that, uh, absorb into the body. And I think that, um, you know, the disparity between those two nutrient sources is very different. However, simultaneously, like that collective connective tissue of everyone, call it like soil energetics. I don't know. Mm. Oh, Um, I love that. But yeah, I mean, if you, you know, you look at even just mushrooms are an incredible example with their mycelia, which go, you know, thousands and thousands of miles. That's kind of like the the communication pathways of the fungal world. Mm -hmm. And they're all interconnected. So, you know, I'm sure that our soil to a certain degree is communicating and connecting all over the globe. And that goes into our bellies one way or another. So yeah really believe that there our consciousness uh, you know our, our our ability to be conscious of the nutrient soil versus the the rich soil of what we're talking about the the people that have that the the mind of understanding 
that their choices matter mm. and, the, and the farmers they're supporting or growing the food themselves and doing what you're doing, uh, mm. contributing to um, mass biodiversity within your own garden. Um, right. I believe that the more people that can get on this bandwagon of making conscious choice is, is so vitally important to not just gut health and soil health, but our ability collectively to evolve as one, like we don't evolve, right. Just as one spirit, right. We evolve as totally. a collection of people, uh, not people, but collection of um, spirits, right. Um, that are moving hopefully in a certain trajectory. And when I start thinking about climate change and the, the stopping or reversing climate change, I, I, I really feel like it has a lot to do with collective consciousness. Mm. Yeah, Otherwise, absolutely. How could it, it work? How, I mean, we're, we are nature, right? You know that. I mean, you're experiencing that every day probably in your yard. Like mm. we are a part of this. So if we're allowing it to disintegrate, how are we going to evolve? These are things I think about because, um, you know, the more I heal from uh, past trauma uh, and heal my own gut wounds and, and, and things, I, I, I know that I'm attributing to the collective in a mm. way that is impactful, right? Because mm -hmm. hurt, hurt people hurt people, healed people heal people, right? So oh, I love that perspective. That's beautiful. It just seems like the more work we can do, not just with our hands and the dirt in our yard, but also the choices that we make and the educating that we do, hopefully in doing so, we can, we can reverse not just climate change, but the things that cre are creating the global warming mm -hmm. from more of a molecular place instead mm -hmm. of you know, uh, that's that. I, I think that the more we talk about these things, um, we're just shining the light of awareness on it. So um, people care more, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's like um, for me, I'm I'm very interested in like vibrational. Uh, vibrational listening or vibrational uh, understanding basically for me when, when you're speaking, it's almost like I, I tune frequency that feels powerful and healing and transformational and through conversation. And it, 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 in the moment sh begins to shift my reality. Mm. And, you know, one thing is that I think, yeah, more change is possible and, and we can have an impact. So Anyways, thank you for that. As you were speaking, I was starting to feel, yeah, this like surge of positivity and hopefulness that was very, uh, very refreshing. Oh, I definitely feel it coming from you too. So thank you for <laughs> contributing to it. Um, if, if there's one thing that people could take away from the conversation today that they could do to make impact on the future of food, what do you think that one thing could be or maybe maybe top three things that are you're feeling inspired to share but is 
you know, is there anything or, or any things that you, you want people to take away from the conversation that they could do today? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say one thing would be to, to, get as intimate with the source of your food as you possibly humanly can. Mm. For some people, if that means, you know, starting a, a garden, growing things from seed, great. For other people, if that means going to the farmer's market, talking to the farmers who are growing the food that you're putting into your body, great. Yes. If that means, you know, ordering online and doing the research to understand, you know, where these fruits, vegetables, even if it's processed foods, where it's come from, how it's yeah. how it's being made, just get intimate and begin that relationship. Because uh, I'm always saying, you know, we are what we eat to a certain we're literally made of these bodies, these food suits that um you know, they're a reflection of how we're nourishing ourselves. And yeah, not to be, um, try not to be shy or try to reconnect with that, those sources of nourishment and get mm. intimate. Yes. And the vibration that they carry, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 That is wonderful. I, I hope people feel inspired from listening to our talk today. It's a thank you so much for joining me on We Are the Soil. And I look forward to uh, seeing what else you're growing over there ah. in your epic garden. And uh, thank you just so much for uh, bringing these pieces of ecology and, uh, you know, uh, even art into what you do. Because I think that the more people can understand that all of these lines of food and fashion and ecology and uh, art, how they all come together to make up the fabric of, mm. of how we're evolving. So thank you so much for the beautiful work that you do in the world and um, live clean, drink dirty. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. And yeah, I'm honored and delighted to be here again. I hope to uh, talk to you more. And just so folks know, again, uh, where they can find you, um, your Nitsa Citrine on Instagram, and you also have your own podcast, Sound Food Space, which I would love to um, dive deeper into listening to your podcast and hearing more about these subjects. So thank you again for joining us, and I hope to talk to you soon. I can't wait. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye.